but no, it's good to be with you this morning. If you, we haven't met, my name is Pastor Naomi, and, uh, well, my name is Naomi. I am a you pastor. My name is not Pastor Naomi, but that would be really cool. Uh, but my name is Naomi, and I'm a youth pastor. Uh, here at Eastside City Church, I get to work with our young people, and I'm really honored and really privileged to be able to be working with them. It's a fun generation, a great group, and we meet every Friday night, and so if you're in that age group, teenager, preteen, you are more than welcome to join us Friday nights. So let's get going. We are currently in a, season, in a series called You Can Sit With Me, and the heart behind the series is that we are basically wanting to inspire us, um, remind us about the value of community, of relationships, re-engaging back into relationships. I know last week Pastor Todd had a really great message about really reaching out to our support systems. And, um, and so really kind of what triggered this series is we noticed that there was a problem. There was something that was becoming really apparent in our culture right now, in our society, and that is the idea of social isolation. Is anyone familiar with that word? Social isolation, right? And, um, and it's, it's, it's something that, it's the word that is actually not foreign and it's actually not new. Uh, prior to, you know, the pandemic, I was talking to a, uh, a community social worker and she was saying that actually before the pandemic, uh, they would go into neighborhoods and communities and, and they would look at helping people re-engaging in community, especially people who were marginalized and people who were maybe in smaller groups or seniors or like newcomers, right? People who tend to maybe lose a little bit of that uh, um, relationship aspect just because of barriers. And so now she's saying, and she'd go into communities and that term used to be foreign for people. They'd be like, what do you mean social isolation? And now everyone is aware of it. It's such, a, it's such a real term. Some of us are living the impact of social isolation. We are currently experiencing social isolation or we know people who are really kind of, you know, going through social isolation or we're working with people who are socially isolated. Um, and so here's what I want to say. I want to define it for us. Social isolation uh, is the absence of social interactions, contacts, and relationship with family and friends, with neighbors on, on an individual level, and with society at large on a broader level. The absence of relationships, the absence of community. And so we have a problem, right? We have a problem uh, at our front door. We have a problem in our nation. This is a problem. And as I was thinking about it, I realized, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. We as a church also have a solution to this problem. No, but think about it. We are a church, meaning our whole, a lot of what we do is relationships. It's community. We rely on the church to thrive. We rely on relationships to grow. We rely on relationships to challenge us, to get better. We rely on uh, the key thing that is needed and lacking right now in our society. And so we actually have an answer. We have a solution, and this is good news. And so in thinking about this, it is, right? <laughs> and so in thinking about this, I couldn't help but consider how we have a really cool opportunity, a really awesome window of opportunity to rethink this season. Because naturally, in the heat of political climates, in the heat of health challenges, in the heat of controversial topics, it's so easy as believers to start thinking, what is happening to me? 
because then we start retreating to our safe zones, comfort zones, you know, safe bubbles, or, or start kind of thinking, man, how do I, like, what is the threat here? But is it possible for us to maybe rethink this season, and instead of asking the question, what is happening to me, maybe we can consider what is happening for me? What is happening for us? We have this beautiful window of opportunity to actually extend a solution to people who are currently experiencing social isolation. Right? And that is good news. And um, to people who are experiencing the absence of relationships, we have a solution. We have community. We have relationships. And as I was thinking about this, I was... uh, just trying to consider, well, what does this look like? And I thought, man, this would be a really cool opportunity to go back to the basics. Go back to the idea of love your neighbor as, you know, you love yourself. And, uh, and I was thinking about, well, in this season, it's a little bit challenging to maybe even extend the love of Jesus. Because now you also have to consider, you know, like, well, who is, you know, my neighbor? And don't get me wrong, we are really good at this as believers. We, we, we are actually really good at loving our neighbors. It's in our DNA. We're called to constantly do that, to constantly be reevaluating that. Um, and I was thinking, okay, that could be a great place to go to. But maybe in this season, a great question that we can consider as we're looking at people around us is, who can I extend the love of Jesus to? And maybe not so much in acts of kindness, even though that is really good. Not so much in like small gestures of, you know, acting uh, um, and being kind, but more so this way. Who can I extend my heart to in this season, right? More heart, more depth, more real. Who can I, in my circle uh, of friends, in my circle of influence, in my, in my circle of connections, in my network, who can I extend my heart to? Let's just take that, you know, love your neighbor as you love yourself a little deeper. And uh, naturally, when that question arises, uh, the Holy Spirit, I believe, begins to prompt things in our hearts and in our lives. So all of a sudden, even just me asking this question, I'm sure some of you are going, well, I know the people that Holy Spirit is prompting in my heart, and I'm a little bit uncomfortable because we're going to have different values. If you're telling me who am I supposed to extend to, if you're telling me go deeper, it's people who have maybe challenged me in my, in my journey, and my faith. It's people who, uh, we just have different belief systems, right? And I, I get it. I get that. But, but if we could just allow Holy Spirit to do his work right now, if we could just allow him to reveal those names, bring those names to the surface, who can I extend my heart to? And I encourage you even right now, if you have a pen and paper or if you got your phone, to even just start pulling that and putting down names um, because we're going to come back to that in the end. Uh, who can I extend my heart to? That if it's names of people where you're like, oh, this is a little stretchy, or I'm feeling a little uncomfortable, to just wait a moment, okay? We're going to unpack this. We're going to talk about what this could look like. We're going to do this together, okay? But if you could just uh, trust Holy Spirit, trust what he's doing, trust where he's calling us, and start jotting down those names, okay? Because at the end of the day, they also need the love of Jesus, Right? And at the end of the day, we have the solution, right? And it would be a disservice to not extend our hearts to those who need Jesus. All right, so I'm going to pray. And while I pray, you can continue to just jot down names. And we'll come back to that list at the end of the, uh, uh, towards the end of the message. Okay. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. God, thank you that you are faithful. 
Father, thank you that you are here with us. And God, thank you that you are even just prompting in our hearts right now the people who you're calling us in our lives to expand our hearts to. God, I pray that you would um, just bring us revelation of how we can do this. Give us understanding. And we welcome all of you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we are going to go into Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 37. And we know this passage pretty well. It's the Good Samaritan. Who knows it? Put your hand up if you know the passage. Everybody knows this passage. If you grew up in the church, you probably know about this story before you even learned how to properly spell your name. It's such a common passage. It's well known in the church. It's also well known in the world, right? And, um, and we're going to read this passage. We're going to unpack it. Uh, and we're going to look at it uh, from a different angle. Okay, Luke chapter 10, verse 25 uh, to 37. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Jesus, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law, and how do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbors as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly, do this and you will live. But he, desi he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be the neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? The one who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. You go and do likewise. So at first glance, upon reading the story, um, oftentimes, naturally, we want to gravitate to the good Samaritan himself, right? And, that, and that's fair. I mean, he does a really great act, and we go, man, like, we can relate to this, showing kindness. This is speaking to us, and we can start thinking about ways where we can start showing, uh, being generous, you know, looking at people uh, in our lives and our circles a little differently. But... I wanted us to look at this from a different perspective. I wanted us to look at the story through the eyes of the lawyer, all right? Through the eyes of the guy who is currently questioning Jesus. Okay, but there are a few things that we need to unpack for us to totally understand why is he even questioning Jesus? Why is he, they use the word justify, why, what is he trying to justify? Because without understanding these things, it seems like a rather useless, like, you know, moment. Like, why would you do the obvious? Why would you try and take this moment to answer a simple question, right? And so, here we have this passage. Let's go ahead and unpack a few things. First thing you need to know is that the term lawyer in this context 
actually means someone who is learned in the holy law. All right? Someone who is learned in the holy law. This is significant because what it tells us is this person is most likely a Pharisee. So they are obviously someone coming before Jesus who has understanding of the holy law. And we know that it's a Pharisee because of this. It cannot be a Sadducee. Sadducees did not want to really um, uh, be, they did not believe in oral law. And so they would not engage in gatherings where Jesus was teaching the law. They, they wouldn't do that. They just did not think that oral law stood. But Pharisees, they believed in oral law. They also cared about eternal life. And so his first question leads us to believe that this gentleman, not only is he someone who has learned in the law, but he must be a Pharisee. All right, second thing you need to understand is the term Pharisee itself. The term Pharisee stems from the idea of separation. So when religious leaders were called Pharisees, they would intentionally separate themselves, right? And so we were talking about people who chose to go, I'm not going to put myself in a position that will cause me to defile myself. I'm going to be close to my people, stay with my people. I'm not going to associate with people who are unclean. They were known for separating themselves. And so when people call them Pharisees, even though for us, we're like, well, we're pointing, you know, like it sounds like we are calling them out uh, by using that term. Actually, they were like, no, thank you for acknowledging what I'm called to do, separate myself. So they took pride in that. However, they did not call each other Pharisees. Amongst themselves, amongst, amongst um, the, the religious leaders and people who were learned the law, they actually called themselves in a different term. They associated themselves with this particular word. It's called uh, kabarim. Kabarim, which can be translated to neighbor. Isn't that interesting? So we have this man who is going, wait a minute. Who is my neighbor? Because from my understanding, from my upbringing, from my education, I am currently associating with my neighbor. My fellow brothers, those who think like me, feel like me. Well, I don't know if feeling like me is a thing. But, but, you know, same values, same beliefs. I'm associating with those who I am called to believe are my neighbors. I'm doing the right thing. So when he comes before Jesus and he's looking to justify himself, his question is actually valid. He's not trying to be rude. He's not trying to be mean. I mean, I know some of them were trying to expose Jesus, but... Really, he's being sincere. He's like, well, who do you think is my neighbor? Like, who do you say is my neighbor? And that's when Jesus goes on to give him a new definition. And it's really important for us to understand this because we begin to look, when we start looking at the story through his lenses, I don't know about you, but I can actually start warming up to this guy. I can start seeing myself and go, oh, I, I relate. I relate to him a little bit. Who's my neighbor? You know, and in this season, the, one of the first things that we can take from this text is it's really important for us to redefine the term neighbor for ourselves, to know who our neighbors are. We are in a season where I can relate to this guy where it's like, man, it's so easy to retreat. It's so easy to stay in kind of our comfort zones. It's so easy to kind of re-engage with society, but safely, you know, it's so easy to kind of take on the term love your neighbor as you love yourself and extend that to People who believe what I believe, you know, think the way I think, share the same values. 
And I think that we are challenged to redefine for ourselves, come back to Jesus' definition of neighbor. And I'll tell you why this is a challenge. We are currently in a season where a buzzword that is floating around is called uh, council culture. And the idea of council culture is described this way. The form of ostracism in which someone is thrust out of social or professional circles, either online or social media, in the real world, or both. They are said to be canceled. And so maybe you're not familiar with this term, but it's the idea of if you share a different perspective and a different value than me, I'm just going to cancel you out, unfollow you. Now, it didn't start off this way. It started off actually pretty innocent. It was to kind of pull down people who were unjust. You know, there's an, enough movements that have kind of eluded that. No, council culture ha had good cause, but over time it's leaked to now this, um, uh, this practice of if you don't believe what I believe, I'm not going to give you the time of day. I can just cancel you out of my life. I can ostracize you out of my circle. I can do that on social media. I can just unfollow you. I can just stop talking to you. And it's leaked into our personal relationships. I know for myself personally, I have experienced moments where I'm like, oh, I think my friends are being canceled or I'm being canceled. I experienced a little bit of cancel culture. I'm not going to lie. I was a little bit controversial online. So yeah, <laughs> it's what you get. But here's the thing. This is the reality of the time that we live in. And so the idea of love your neighbor as you love yourself, of extending our hearts to those who are our neighbors, we actually have to revisit that. Redefine who is your neighbor. Because right now, based on what thing, where things are at in society, I, I would be the first person to say, I am not quick to look at people as my neighbors. I am quick to look at them as threats, you know, uh, especially when we may maybe don't share the same values or beliefs. So first thing we get from this text is Jesus redefines neighbor. Second thing we get from this text is when he is going down and explaining then what a neighbor does. And the first thing that stood out to me was when we're extending our hearts to people, when Jesus is redefining it, he's also showing us that a neighbor is someone who stops. So we stop for our neighbors. And so when we are in uh, doing life and doing different things, we have to be willing to stop for our neighbors. And so it goes beyond the shared values or even just, uh, you know, uh, let me just reach out and say hello. But it actually has to go beyond that. It has to take us even further in that conversation. The greatest example that I have is, um, have you guys ever had those moments when you say, how are you to someone? And then they don't respond in that socially acceptable term, which is good. <laughs> and you're like, shoot, oh my gosh, now I have to be here, be present, and listen. Like, don't you understand that when I say, how are you, actually the best answer that you can give me right now is good. And then I'm going to say good, and then I'm going to move on with my life. Why, 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 why do you have to give me a different answer? Why, why, why? Sometimes that goes through my mind. It's gone through my heart. But I think we can relate, right? After the how are you, right, are we willing to allow ourselves to, be, to stop, to be neighborly, to give people the time of day, to extend an ear? And really what this alludes to is, are we allowing ourselves to be inconvenienced? Yeah. Jesus gives us an example of 
when we are extending our hearts to people, when we are being a good neighbor, we need to be willing to stop for our neighbors, be willing to be inconvenienced. And uh, one of the things that I, I kind of see uh, even in this is we can even want to take it a little bit deeper. We need to be willing to be moved by the brokenness in people's lives, right? And that's not always a convenience. But we need to be willing to be moved by the fact that someone is hurting. Acknowledge it and stop. So, stop for your neighbor. Number three. Second, third thing that I kind of pulled out of this text is a good neighbor will invest. When we're extending our hearts to people, we are going to need to invest. And if we go to verse 34 um, in our text, and Luke 34, we have this, sorry, Luke 10, verse 34. We have this path, we have this moment where it describes what had to be done, right? So he had to, uh, bound, he bound up his wounds, poured oil and wine, and then he sent him on his, he set him on his animal, brought him to an inn. And that list is actually a costly list. Those things are not free, they're not easy. They go beyond an inconvenience. They're an investment of resources, an investment of time. And Jesus gives us this picture um, in this story that if we are going to love our neighbors as we love ourselves, extend our hearts to people, there's going to be a requirement for us to be willing to invest in people's lives. And it's not going to be necessarily free or easy. It will require resources. It will require time. Yeah. It will require shifting things, right? Yeah. Right? Who can relate to that? Totally. And so we can take all this, and how do we respond? Where do we start? And the greatest place to start is by looking at Jesus, looking at his example. In this text, yes, we have the Good Samaritan to look to, Jesus is pointing out to him, but we also have Jesus who's kind of like a Good Samaritan. Don't you think? He finds us in our brokenness. He finds us spiritually dead. And he's willing to extend his love to us. And so we can look to Jesus, number one, for what? For the example of literally looking at everybody as worthy of the love of Jesus. Jesus said he came for all people. Right? And so we can look to his example when it's challenging. That list that I had you do, there are going to be names in there where you're like, this is going to be hard. You don't understand. There are so many things here that are difficult. Like this person, we are on complete opposite here. Like we don't see eye to eye. And this name came up. It's going to be challenging. However, they fall into that category of all people. All people. But we can look to Jesus as the example of extending our hearts to all people, everyone in our circle, in our network, on our platforms, all people. We can look to Jesus as the example of allowing ourselves to be stopped and inconvenienced. Right? We have this great example. Actually, we've got numerous examples of Jesus allowing himself to being stopped and inconvenienced. But one that I just thought was really funny and I can relate to is Matthew 15. I'm going to quickly read it out, verse 21 to 23. 
Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Gentile, a Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Then his disciples urged him, send her away. Tell her to go away, they said. She is bothering us with all her begging. Who can relate to this? Jesus, this is not the right time for me to be inconvenienced. Lord, I understand that there's this person trying to meet with me, but I got to get meals ready. I got to get studying. This is Jesus. Send it away. Let somebody else do with it. Jesus, this is not the right time. This is kind of an inconvenience. His disciples are literally saying, not right now. This ain't it, right? <laughs> this is not the right time, and I can relate to this. And Jesus actually stops, and he responds to her and goes on to heal her daughter. We can look to Jesus as the example when it comes to allowing ourselves to inconvenience ourselves for others, right? Because it will be an inconvenience. And third, we can look to Jesus when it comes to investing our everything to those around us. As we look to extend our hearts to people, we can look to Jesus as that example. And the greatest example we have is what he did for us on earth, right? Came to earth, gave his life, a life for a life. Gave his life so we could have life. Gave his all, poured his very best so that we could have our very best as well. How generous, how incredible. And that came at a cost. And we can look to him for when things get costly, when God is calling us to go a little deeper, when God is saying, I'm needing you to drive them to life groups. I'm needing you to maybe help them out technically on Zoom with life groups. I'm needing you to send that invitation and maybe even walk them to the door when it comes to CR. It might cost you. It most likely will. I'm needing you to help them out here. Help them out with this bill. Help them in this way. It's going to be costly. But we can look to Jesus as that example. Amen. And there's good news. There's good news because on the other side of that, no, we're not in charge of their salvation, but we've brought them to Jesus. We've brought them to Jesus. We've brought Jesus to them. And not only that, there's an opportunity to bring relationships to people, right? We've brought community. And so we have a solution. We have a solution. We have the ability to live out that solution to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. So let's go back to that list. Um, we have this list of names, and I didn't want to leave our time together without praying for us and encouraging us. Um, if you are in a position right now and you're like, man, Naomi, I can relate. There are people in my life who it's been so hard to re-engage. There are people in my life who I know Holy Spirit has prompted on my heart. I want to pray for you. So if that's you, feel free to just put your hand up. I want to stand with you in prayer and encourage you. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness and for your faithfulness. God, thank you that you first loved us and that we can find comfort in this. God, thank you that as you are calling out 
as you're calling us out, oh God, to go out into the world, to extend our hearts to those around us, God. Father, I'm asking right now that you would give us courage. God, I'm even praying that you would give us strategy, that we would look at this season as an opportunity to go, what is happening for us? That we would look at this season as an opportunity to go a little deeper in relationships, to be a little creative in the lives of people so that we can bring Jesus to them, so that they can experience relationships and community. And so, God, I ask, God, that there would just be a measure of courage and of grace and of strategy in this season. In your name we pray. Amen. Wasn't that a good word here today? Amen. It was encouraging and challenging, you know, because we have to check our hearts. What's in our hearts? Where's our heart when it comes to people and reaching out to people and being with people? You know, I, I relate to that where sometimes you're just like, I don't have time for this. But God's saying, no, I made time for you. And I just pray right now that we would be people that would say, God, help me. Help my heart. Lord, enlarge my heart. Give me a bigger heart for people. You know what's going to change the world around us? You know what's going to, where we're going to see revival and reformation and all those things? It's when we have a heart to see people change. And so I pray right now, God, would you just touch our hearts? Fill our hearts with more love. We need more of your love for people, Father God, that we will find the time, that we will give the time. When you put us in those places, that we will see your hand, that you're going to give us not just the words, but the grace, that we'll have that courage. And we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, maybe you're here today. I, don't, I, I want to give this opportunity as well because we hear the gospel of Jesus, that Jesus came to give us life, to change our hearts, to, to, that he sacrificed everything, that he, he poured out his life, not just in what he gave to people, but by dying on a cross, shedding his blood so that we could be forgiven and that we could have a relationship with God. And if you're here today or you're listening online and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, would you just pray with me? Would you just, in your heart right now, just say, God, save me. So, Father, dear Jesus, I invite you to take control of my life. I ask you to forgive me, to free me from all of my sins. I ask that you would give me new life. Lord, would you give me your heart? And I thank you for your death, burial, and resurrection, and for your free gift of eternal life. Let's thank God today for those who prayed that prayer, those who believe that or believing that. And I just want to encourage you, if you prayed that today, let somebody know. Reach out to somebody. Say, hey, I, I made a decision to make Jesus the center of my life. Uh, whether you're online, you can just reach out in the in the chat areas. Uh, or you can send us a, a, if you're a little bit more shy, send us a a, a message at info at eastsidecitychurch.ca. We want to help you grow in your faith. Well, I want to just uh, dismiss all of you here today to, to be what Naomi said, to be like 
the Good Samaritan, to be that person that extends grace and love to the people around you. Look for people. Pray over that list this week. Believe God to use you. Um, if you would like prayer for anything else today, uh, myself and Innocent will be up here. We, we will pray if there's a special need that you have in your life. But for everybody here today, God bless you. Thanks for tuning in. For those of you who are online, have a great Sunday, and we will see you next week. And you get an extra hour of sleep next week, so make sure you write that down. God bless you.